a priest, his brother, and a married guy walk into a podcast to discover the deepest truths of our day. If you're a seeker of ancient wisdom, interdimensional museums, and the Baltimore Catechism, then this is not the show for you. You're listening to the Untitled Catholic Podcast. And it starts right now. Untitled Catholic Podcast, episode number Mike Piazza minus one thirty for all of those wondering. Yes, your ears are not deceiving you. This is Justin returning gloriously to the Untitled Catholic Podcast. Here, as always, with Father Sean Magaldi. Hello, Justin. I'm happy you're back, and I don't have to do the beginning part anymore. There you it's go. Very stressful. I, I, I would say it is. It was definitely not very good. The the two episodes I heard that I wasn't on so far. The intro could have been better, Father Sean. So <laughs> You've only listened to one episode that you haven't been on. It's only one, but that one was definitely lackluster. So I think we have to, <laughs> next time I'm absent, we should give it to Nolan to see if he could do it. But speaking of Nolan, <laughs> he is not here. So we are going four episodes without the dynamic trio. However, we have a special guest today, our family, our cousin Bobby. Hello, Bobby. Hello. How are you? Good. How are you, Bobby? I'm doing very well. Thank you very much. It's uh, we've got some nice weather going here, you know, t-shirt weather all of a sudden. So I'm happy. It is actually 72 degrees in Nashville right now. Oh, that's right. I forgot where you are. Yeah. It's and 70 I, I just, degrees. Oh, it's like 68 over here. Yeah. And I, I returned from Spokane, Washington, which was 20 degrees. Well, I returned to the rectory the other night, and my room was over 100 degrees because the heater wasn't working, so they came <laughs> to fix it. And I don't care. I don't usually put the heat on. I like my room to be about 60. And I walked in, and I had a, a, a poster on the back of my door that was on the floor. I'm like, that's funny. And then a wave of heat hit me. And I'm like, what? The, the, I just heard... <sighs> And I see that the heat was blasting as high as it could be. All the windows were closed. There were things in my room that melted. It was so hot in there. I'm not Wait, even what, kidding. What melted? There's a, I had a plastic thing on my desk so that, you know, you could write on the desk and it doesn't write on the wood. That melted. It was all shriveled up like bacon. <laughs> wow. I had a picture frame that was right uh, on my on my wall and the glue on the back of the picture frame melted the frame fell off and shattered wow. and a bunch of plastic bottles in my room like listerine or the um my like my um what's it called shampoo bottles they're all like bulging and swollen it's a good that's thing. hot that's hot yoga weather it's, it's a good thing it was disgusting it's a good thing you don't have any goldfish no they would have been boiled <laughs> and dead you would, have a bunch of, you would have had a bunch of boiled goldfish on your hands. No one wants that. No, not a pretty sight. So, Bobby, you are dusting your podcast uh, microphone. But you're bringing out of retirement. Yeah, we were doing uh, you. You know, your dad and I were doing this podcast for a couple of years, uh, but we stopped doing it. Uh, it's currently in the crapper. So- <laughs> I I still I still think some some of the funniest material. It was. It was like a Seinfeld episode about being working in a corporate office. That was the idea. It's called All Other Business. And we really just drew from our experience. None of it was made up. It was all real. Um, 
we would start each podcast with a topic like meetings and just share on, you know, what our experience was with that. And we started off with like a hundred listeners, which was a good place to start and build on. But then it, you know, it steadily declined. We, we were probably at about 50 listeners more or less when we, when it was going in the wrong direction when we decided to shelve it, you know? Well, so, I think we're at like six or seven listeners right now. So hopefully. No, no, you got <laughs> I, I saw you guys on Podbean. You're actually on the upswing, right? So yes, yeah, we're starting to increase. Although the two that were released after Monsignor McDonald have not done too well, but uh, recently, uh, <laughs> uh, I think the Father Rob episode that was just released will be the one that saves us. See, for those in I, I at home, when, when you advertise that I'm back, then people will start listening again. Yeah, well, we still have another week before we do that. Okay. But the counterweight to that is that I'm on. So that's a big risk having me on, you understand? <laughs> given, the, well, given, uh, given the history I just parlayed to you. A risk Bobby we're Bachman obviously willing to take. <laughs> yeah, so. So, Bob, you are our cousin. Correct. And we, we, I feel like we have a, a, a fun history together as cousins. Yeah, well, um, your father and I grew up in the same generation, and uh, he was always, uh, I always thought he was the funniest guy that I knew growing up. You know, as a matter of fact, I was in the hospital once with a, uh, a groin repair, believe it or not, a hernia repair, and he came in and started cracking me up to the great pain. <laughs> Just an excruciating amount of pain. I was like, nurse, get him out of here. I can't take it anymore. No, but yeah, so that's, you know, that's really the history. And then your father, you know, is a very generous guy, invites me over for all the, the major holidays, you know, the seven fishes on Christmas Eve. And, you know, you guys, we bonded. We got a lot in common. Yeah. Good sense of humor and so forth. So, yeah. Well, now, my favorite I, is always that when we introduce you, we introduce you as our cousin Bobby. But some people hear that as cousin Bobby. And one of my friends once came up to me after like it was like Easter or whatever it was that you were over and, and, he, and he was over. And he goes, your cousin's fine. <laughs> and I was like, what are you talking about? And they were like, he was like, cousin Bobby, he's fine. And I'm like, yeah, what what did why are you saying that? And he's like, oh, because the way you were like, you called him Cousin Bobby, and it made it seem like it was like something special about him. Yeah. And I was like, no, he, 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 there's nothing wrong with him. He's just a regular guy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the way. I, I always used to think I was relatively cool, but now I'm starting to see myself as that, you know, that sort of oddball cousin who you give a Mountain Dew and stick him in the corner and hope he doesn't say something <laughs> You know, <laughs> easy puller. The rubber sheets are packed. Easy yeah. Puller. I mean, oh, uh, but you know what? Let me tell you something. I'm very, very happy to play that role. If that's the role that I've been given, <laughs> you know, I can only no. surprise people on the upside, right? I can only, the, the surprise will only be pleasant. I guess so. I yeah. That's a good way. Lowered expectations is always a good thing. That's the only way to I live. Feel like, I feel like your role, your role, Bobby, is actually to understand all of you you are the one that gets it so when whenever it may be christmas easter a random barbecue and something wacky happens yeah bobby's there to know 
Oh, thank you very much. I like that. like when our other cousin came up, who he hadn't seen ever. We never met this guy. He comes in and he's hairless and gives my brother a big kiss on his on his head and says, "I'm your cousin Alfred," and then and then leaves. <laughs> Bobby was there for that. You were there, which, and you know Alfred. So you, that's right. You can then tell the history. So you, you are the, you are the, the bridge to all the jokes. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah, well, and it's it's all around these holidays. You know, it's, this is the Catholic podcast, and it's funny how it all sort of happens around Easter, Christmas. You know, all the stuff that brings us together. That's... And uh, and it's uh yeah, there's a there's a great comic history being built here. <laughs> And I think at some point it needs to be recorded, put on YouTube, uh, and we should milk it for all it's worth, you know? <laughs> There's so, dollars. When you think of Cousin Bobby, see what I did there? Um, mm. I also, you, you have to think of the word Schwitenad. Yeah, Schwitenad is, is an Italian. It's actually um, Sfortunado, which is bad luck. In Italian, that's what it means. But in the way that Italians pronounce words, like everything gets sort of like cobbled up together, like prosciutto is prosciutto. You know how it works, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Capicola, gabagool, right? <laughs> so sfortunado means sfortunado, which means bad luck. And uh, you and your father talk, you, you and me and your father talk about it all the time. It's the only luck we ever have is bad luck, you know. So what's your, what's the first Shvetanad story that you could think of that's appropriate for the Untitled Catholic Podcast? <laughs> um, oh, my God, there's so many of them. Well, uh, well, one of them is I actually locked myself in the apartment once. I don't know if you... <laughs> I don't know if you even knew that was possible, but uh, yeah. I was having a little trouble with the doorknob and I was jiggling it and jiggling it and then it came off in my hand and I couldn't get out. And uh, that's a short than odd story, right? It's, it's, oh, that is, that is classic short <laughs> You know, if something's oh. going to happen, it's going to happen to me and uh, that's the way it goes, you know. That is, that is amazing. That's then, the type of I, thing. I, I would the ultimate, maybe not the ultimate, but the thing that we all have in common, which also branches from being a Schwitanad, is being a Mets fan. Yeah, and I, you know what, I, I wanted to ask you guys because I don't know if you've done this before, but I would be very, very curious to know if you uh, polled all of the New York area Catholics, right? How, what percentage are Mets fans and what percentage are Yankees fans? Have you ever given that any thought? <laughs> That's a good question. Generally what speaking, would... it always seems like it's more Met fans than Yankee fans. Maybe that's just because I'm a Met fan, so the Met fans tell me that they're also Met fans. But that's without doing any kind of official polling. That's kind of what I've seen. I would think it would have to be that way. In fact, I would probably go like 80% Met fans because of the whole, you know, forgiveness in your heart thing. <laughs> <laughs> and suffering that comes with it. Yeah, and the it, suffering it, and the willful suffering. We have talked about that being a Mets fan makes you a better Catholic. I think it makes because you a better person, a better Catholic. It, yeah, it tests it your faith. Character. It does. Yep. It, it, all, all, all fronts, being a it, Mets fan helps you with your faith. Every single day. I was... Uh, 
you know, I, I'm sure you've been following the offseason, and I just I cannot stress enough how remarkable it is this team's commitment to mediocrity. I mean, they just they went they bottom fed. I don't mean to disrespect any of the players that they got, but there are a lot of good agents on the free agents in the market, and they just you know they 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 made themselves older, slower. <laughs> when you thought it would be possible, I, you didn't. It, it, the past three years. Who won the World Series, right? You had Houston, Cubs, Kansas City. They were all young. They were all athletic. They were all well-balanced. They all played a little small ball, plus power, good bullpens. You would think that they would pay attention to that. But no, they went the exact opposite, you know? <laughs> let's, get, let's get Todd Frazier, who bets 217. But apparently he's a nice guy, so we'll give him a shot. He's good in the clubhouse. Good in the clubhouse. Yeah, he's good yeah. in the clubhouse. Oh, you know who we should get? Adrian Gonzalez. No one else wants him, so we'll take him. See, there you go. That's that being a good Christian right there is the Mets mentality. It's yeah. like the church. We take in all the, as Monsignor McDonald said on that episode, we take in all the people who no one else would spend time with. Exactly. Perfect. That's Adrian perfect. Adrian Gonzalez, Todd Frazier. You know, who else? I can't, that's, that's sad. I can't. Jason Vargas. Jason Vargas. Jason 35 Vargas. years old, coming yeah. off of Tommy John surgery. Reyes is back in the Cabrera. Reyes. Yep. Yeah. There's the forgiveness thing of Jose Reyes. See? That's a big one. Yeah. So I'm telling you, that's a good point. Whereas Yankee fans, they don't have to worry about that stuff. You know, they're like, they don't, they don't. I'm not saying they're bad people. Uh, actually, yeah, I am. I'm saying they're bad people. <laughs> sure, some of them are. It doesn't really take much to be a Yankee fan. It's like rooting for the sun to rise. So, I mean, I don't even see, I don't even see the point of it. It's, I mean, like, and that, even now, you're, you're watching the offseason. You're like, all right, well, I might as well just tune in in October because you know they're going to be the – they're going to have the best record. They're going to be the number one seed. And chances are – I mean, you might as well tune in the ALCS because they're going to – I don't think they're going to win the World Series. I will say that. I would, I would be willing to make a, a wager with that. What would you want it to be? I don't know. Well, we could, we could think about that another time. But it's, I, it's I would have something almost... to do with kombucha. <laughs> yeah, I almost, yeah, a kombucha wager. I will buy you a week's supply of kombucha if the Yankees don't win the World Series. And then you could buy I, me I a don't week's want, supply. I don't of want a week's supply of kombucha. But I thought that that's a thing now. Don't I drink, drink it, but not all the day? time. I don't. I don't drink it every day. I drink it once in a while. All right, I'll, I'll buy you kombucha once a month. Until the baseball season starts again. Now, you guys, I know you go to a lot of games, and uh, I've Maybe done. Yeah, right. That's what I was going to ask because uh, I'm considering. Like, I don't go to many games, maybe four or five a year, but I'm considering. Wouldn't I? Wouldn't be considering it a boycott, but I would be considering it more of like, why bother? You know? Yeah. Are you thinking that way, or are you still going to go to the games? Yeah. Every year we buy our mom. Uh, What's it called? Tickets for her birthday and or Mother's Day. And uh, about two months ago, I said, maybe you want to think about another present. But since then, since then, um, uh, what's it called? We we haven't. They, I mean, since then, they've signed people. So I'm not sure if, uh, if, if I don't know. What do you think? Are we going to keep that up, Justin? Uh, I mean, it's more, I feel like it's more tradition now than anything. 
But they have made moves since then. Awful moves, but moves, moves nonetheless. Yeah, I mean, they're not awful. They're just they'll not what they could have been. No, they they'll, they'll finish in second. Their division's I think terrible. The, I think no. I think the Braves will be better than the Mets. I don't think so. All right. No, there's another kombucha waiver <laughs> wager. I don't so, think. Uh, it, well, we'll see. We'll see. Um, we'll see. Yeah. On that note, we'll let's we'll we'll pause here and come back for segment two of the Untitled Catholic Podcast with special guest cousin Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> And we're back here on the Untitled Catholic Podcast. So, Bobby, you yeah. you would say you identify yourself as Catholic, right? Yeah, raised a Catholic, went to Catholic grammar school, Catholic high school. Um, Fordham, run by the Jesuits, would some would call a Catholic school. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe back then it was, but not, who knows now. Um, um, so very heavily so, steeped in the Catholic tradition, uh, and also unequivocally, um, you know, in my wholeheartedly devoted to the message of Christ. So, so you would say, um, obviously then one, you believe, believe in God. Oh, for sure. And then be- believe that Christ is our quote unquote savior. Yep. And believe in heaven and all that kind of good stuff. I do. I do. Awesome. So then if, if and would you say, here's, here's the word that we were talking about right before we came back on. Um, would you say that you are a lukewarm Catholic, quote unquote? Yeah, I mean, that's where I struggle because I would say that in terms of um, the stuff that we just talked about, um, I'm very committed to you know, the message and trying to be a good person. I mean, falling short, of course, but trying, knowing what the North Star is and trying to always reach for it. But in terms of the day-to-day, more ritualistic stuff, I'm fallen by the wayside. There was a time in my life where I'd be a, a, an avid mass goer, for example. I'd go every week. Uh, these days, mm-hmm. that's, not, that's not the case. I'm one of those... Uh, probably two time of year Catholics who goes on Easter and Christmas funerals and the occasional, you know, ordination whenever that happens. So, um, so once every uh, 28 years, <laughs> once every 28 years. Yeah. So am I, you know, this is the, what I struggle with. I know I should be doing those things, but I do sort of have a problem with that sort of commitment and, and so forth for a number of different reasons. Maybe we'll get into some of them. But am, am I really just a Catholic in name only at this point because I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing on a regular basis? And I struggle with it, and I think other people do as well. So I thought it would be a good thing to talk about. So before we get into that, I had two questions, I think, which would kind of propel the conversation. So the first is when you say that you, you wholeheartedly believe in the message of Christ, what, if you could simplify that into two sentences, what is the message of Christ? Uh, well, I think what he said, love God and love your neighbor. Um, which is all right, perfect. 
so then the, I would say the next question is what, how, what is an example of like a practical way that you are loving people? <laughs> what is this? Cinemax? <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully not. Well, you know, Cause I don't know if that's yeah. part of the <laughs> Um, all right. Well, I don't usually like to talk about charitable works, but I do charitable works. For example, um, I sponsor through a Christian organization, a young boy in Guatemala. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's one of those deals where I, I, you know, send some money every year and then we do every once in a while a little exchange of, you know, notes. He sends me something and I send him something back. And it's not the best form of communication because, you know, he's like 12 years old and he's in Guatemala. But the whole idea is I'm here to, I'm called his sponsor and I'm here to let him know that he's being supported and that, you know, thought about and prayed for. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. So that's what, one what thing. A, what about like a, uh, I'm, uh, this is a hard question, but like a day-to-day -day New York City subway, like how, how does, how does your the the message of christ play into when you are working your your day-to-day -day, wake up commute go to work commute go home hang out with friends like how does christ fall into that uh well a lot of it i think for me is what i don't say and what i don't do you know as the blood starts to boil in some of these tenser situations you know i i tend to pause maybe say a little prayer try and calm down so that i don't really sort of add any sort of um, stress to the situation. I mean, it's very, very simple things, you know, mm -hmm. smile, smiling at somebody, uh, you got to be careful with that in New York, by the way, but you know, uh, <laughs> I mean, it, it comes down to holding the door open for somebody and not getting all upset when they don't say thank you, or, you know, little, yeah. little things like that. I mean, living in this city with so many people, offers the opportunity to do both things, to underreact if you feel like you're being, you know, um, your space is being invaded or whatever. And then just maybe these little acts of kindness, uh, letting somebody get on the train before you, something like that. You know, I'm, I'm kind of trying to develop a mindfulness of these things because when I was a kid, it was all about me. I was very, very self-centered. And uh, now I understand that that's really not the way I want to be. And when I talk about the North Star, that's what I'm talking about, looking for little opportunities like that. So uh, I would say then let's let's say Father Sean, mm -hmm. say Bobby comes into your office, and he says everything we just said, and you ask those two questions like do you, do you believe in Christ, why or how, and uh, and then he answers the way he answers, and then he and follows up by saying well I I don't go to confession, I don't I go to mass for the major points of going to mass. Easter, Christmas, and the occasional ordination. Um, and then ask the simple question of why, if I'm a good person, why do I have to do those things? How do you respond? Well, I would, I would then ask the question, and, and it depends on how well I know the person and, and how much attitude they may or may not be giving me. Because every once in a while, someone might come in with a little bit of attitude with a chip on their shoulder or something like that. So, if they were giving me a, a, a little bit of attitude, I, I would be a little bit firmer. But we'll say that that I'm not getting attitude right now. And I would say the one thing I would say is how do you define being a good person? It, and like so, for instance, with what you've mentioned, 
if 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 that's the only interaction that you got from somebody, would that be good enough for you? Would you consider that love that somebody didn't yell at you if they were mad? That would be the question that I would ask. Um, you know, I think part of it, but I see, I understand what the question is. It it is a sort of a, a very passive way to express it, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't really know what I would expect from other people. I mean, that part of the problem I think I might have is that I expect very little from other people. So, not getting yelled at is a big plus in my view. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it, it's not, it wouldn't be an, a very explicit manifestation. Right. Know? And then, the, so the, and then I would ask the question about like, where would you have seen improvement? Because I often think that a lot of times we can look at, we can be minimalists in our faith. And then I, I would kind of go in, in that direction. But before I would even, maybe even before I would go in that direction, now that I'm thinking about it, I would ask the person what their prayer life was like. You pray every day. I do. And then how how is your prayer life? Is prayer asking God for things, thanking God for things? Like I would I would get into to to that question. Um, to be very honest, it's more of a thankful prayer, and it's more of a, a, a prayer of guidance. Direct my thinking. Show me what you want me to do. Um, don't let me be a jerk. <laughs> in 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 layman's terms i mean it's right, right. very very uh, i want to be of service show me how right and do you feel that he answers that uh i think he does answer that uh, the question is whether or not i'm listening i think i think the bottom line is sometimes i could do that prayer in the morning and be very very committed to it and serious about it and then you just jump out on the street and then get distracted i'll say I don't, i'm saying you i should say i right right and and uh and then um, you know, sometimes I just forget that I've made that connection. I've made that conscious attempt to, you know, ask right. for guidance. So what would be, then the next thing I would say is, what would make you think, do you think that God doesn't want you to go to Mass on Sunday? I would say no. <laughs> I think he probably does. Um what would be the bit? And I mean, I don't know if you want to talk about this on the podcast. So if you don't, we could always avoid the question uh, or get give a more simplistic answer. But I, oftentimes I'll ask, why, why wouldn't, why don't you go to mass on Sunday? I'll just be direct. Hold on one second. Well, someone's asking the same question over the phone. I think that's God telling me to keep my mouth shut. <laughs> <laughs> So I think the reason that there have been long periods of time where I have gone on a regular basis, and it usually starts off with a great deal of enthusiasm, and I get very, I feel a, a peace. I feel it's kind of a meditative thing. I understand what's happening at the altar, and it, you know, it, it's, it fills me with awe and wonder. And then all of a sudden, that's it. Just starts to feel. Um, like an obligation, which I know that it is, but it starts, I lose that feeling and it just becomes very boring. Right. Even though I know the importance of it and have benefited from that, it just, I lose um, my enthusiasm for it. And then I just, you know, it's like, okay, now I'm not going to go this week and that week turns into two weeks. And next thing you know, it's years have gone by, you know? Right. 
So I think the bottom line is I get bored with it. I've always sort of been bored with doing things uh, in a committed way, ritualistically like that. And uh, I'm not talking, I'm not saying, and I want to make it very clear that the mass is boring. I'm not saying that at all because every, it's, uh, everybody gets what they get out of it. I'm saying I get bored. I'm owning it. You know, right. but that's, that's the reality of my experience with it. I would say that the mass is not boring, but those who um, preside over the mass and, and sometimes the music and all of those things, it, it, it can be presented boringly. So I, I wouldn't argue. Um, I wouldn't even say that. I would say that it, it's, it's hard sometimes to find um, a, a place that that does mass well, and, 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 and that's something subjective, right? So like what's well, what's done well for me may not be what's done well for you or whatever. Um, so like, for instance, my, my dad has a friend and he was like, yeah, I was at mass. And well, maybe it might even have been you who said this. You were talking about how, how come, why did they say all those names at mass? <laughs> Yeah, that was me. Yeah, okay, all right. <laughs> and it's, so it's like, so that's because on a Christmas or Easter, it's a big day. It's the, it's the uh, first Eucharistic prayer, which is like it has special prayers specifically for Christmas and Easter built in. So that would be one of the reasons why that prayer gets said. But like, like I like that, and I could see why someone might not like it. But I would say what you're describing is is basically the introduction to the spiritual life, right? So I think that a lot of times in our spiritual life, and, and lots of saints have said this, so I'm not just talking about myself, that there's the, the, the initial enthusiasm that comes from prayer, comes from an encounter with God, comes from the Mass. And then from there, those feelings kind of disappear. Those feelings kind of wane. And then we're left with the reality of doing something that we don't get anything out of that we can necessarily see or feel. Like nothing nothing tangible, right? Right. And then the our human condition is, is, is such that when that happens, our tendency is to, to, to give up. It's like if a dog every time... Um, he does something good he gets a treat so then he does he start doing it for the treat or is he doing it because he knows it's what he's supposed to do um, or when the kids growing up right they they help out they get the praise from their mom they didn't do whatever they weren't supposed to do they wash the dishes they get that praise and then eventually it becomes commonplace and that praise stops and it's like well you should just do this now and not that God is like intentionally withholding it to punish us or whatever, but ultimately the, the purpose of spiritual life is that we love God for who he is, um, not what he gives us, but for who he is. And St. John of the Cross would talk about a certain persistency and consistency in our prayer life. And with that, part of our prayer life is the Mass. And when we think about what's happening at Mass, right, ultimately that idea of wanting to be a good person. I was having a conversation about this with somebody recently, um, and, I, and I actually preached about this on Sunday. The, like something like um, confession, right? Like I've, if I had a dollar for every time I heard someone say, well, I don't want to go to confession because I know I'm not going to stop. It's like, okay, you, but it's like saying I'm not going to go to the doctor um, when I have a strep throat, cause I'm going to wait till the, 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 my throat stops hurting and then I'll, then I'll go to the doctor or like I got shot, but I'll wait till I stop bleeding before I go to the doctor. Like 
the mass or the Eucharist specifically, um, if we're not, if we're in the state of grace and then confession, especially if we're not, is like the medicine to those things. So it's like, if we think, and I'm not saying this is necessarily what you think, but if we think that somehow we have to be good enough to then do what we're supposed to do, that's not how it works. God wants us to cooperate with that grace, cooperate with him. So I would challenge you um, in the sense that when the feeling wanes, keeping consistency and, and, and persistence in, in attending and, and doing those things, the, it takes a long time before you may see the rewards if you ever on this life. But it doesn't mean that something's not happening on like a, for lack of a better word, a metaphysical level or a, a better on a spiritual level. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to jump in quick and then i just want to hear when you said like when you go to mass and you are in awe um and understand what is happening at the altar what is happening at the altar like how do you define it i i believe uh, as catholics have been taught to believe that you know there is a physical spiritual real presence of christ in the gifts and uh you know i mean I mean, if that's not enough to keep me coming, then I don't know what would be, you know, but mm -hmm. the bottom line is it's that's, I do believe that is happening. And I do believe yeah. that, you know, and um, there's also just, you know, when you walk in and if, if it's well done, there's a, there's a, and let's face it, there's an element of theater to it, right? right, if, right. If the music is good. It puts me in a kind of a meditative state. If the homily is good, of course, we've only, not everybody can, deliver a homily up to Sean's standards. I don't, we understand. Or sorry, I've been told. But anyway, no, I'm, I'm, I'm just kidding. I understand it's it's very, you know, um, it's a key part of it. Sometimes the guy's droning on and on. You're like, please just stop, you know. But the idea is uh, sometimes I, it, when all the elements, uh, I, 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 when all the elements are working together, it can be a very uplifting experience. If not, mm -hmm. I can very easily lose um focus yeah so i would kind of coming in, in in a perspective of like say i were to i guess the youth ministry perspective uh from a couple different angles from what i'm hearing the first thing i'd always tell kids um is that christ is not a feeling but is is more of an intention meaning that every time you go to mass um or adoration or pray you're not going to always feel something and that's okay, because you have that intention of receiving the Eucharist, growing in your relationship with Christ, serving him. Like we do the homeless ministry every Monday night. Um, and that doesn't feel good most of the time. Most of the time I leave that exhausted, kind of like the world is a bad place. But I still do it because the gospel tells me to. Um, so when I, when I think about mass I would, or adoration, I would tell kids, like, it's not necessarily it's the feeling. It's that you are doing it to get closer to Christ. Um, so that's like, that's the first thing I tell, I would tell kids is, is that. But then the, the other thing too, which is I find interesting, um, especially I guess in our day and age, you could say, uh, it, it's like, for me, it's kind of like, okay, if I were to tell you that, Jesus is Jesus, like Jim Caviezel looking Jesus is at City Field. <laughs> Would you go, Bobby? 
Yeah, I'd pay to see that. <laughs> you, yeah, exactly. You would pay to see that. And then if I was like, he's going to be there for Lent. Let's use Lent, for example. Jesus is going to be at City Field every Sunday at noon. His greatest hits. The, 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 Jesus' uh, greatest hits. Um, is going to be the at Sermon City at the Field. Mount, the Bread of Life discourse, all the ones you're familiar with, they're all going to be done at City Field. So, you know, yeah. th- I, now there's a question that I'm going to answer very honestly. Mm-hmm. I, I might get psyched about it for the first month of Sundays, you know, even if yeah. it was the man himself, I might get psyched about it. But then fifth Sunday comes around and I'll be like, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll catch Jesus next week. I'll, you know, walking dead's on or whatever. You know, it's, uh-huh. you know what I mean, I think that's the way my mind works. And even in the, in the presence of the physical person, I, I fear that I would have the same reaction. I don't know, but knowing the way I think that that might be the case. So that's, that was an honest answer. I would say most people would say, yes, I would go every week. If Jesus physically is there speaking to me, of course I would go to city field every week. Yeah. Um, I would say, so I'll, I'll finish this example and then get to, get to your point. So if I were to say that to people and they say, yes, if Jesus is in city field, I'm going then my question is, well, if you honestly believe in the Eucharist, like you actually think that Christ is pre- present in the Eucharist, um, like the creator of the whole universe, the person that died on the cross for our sins, so we can one day meet him in heaven. Um, it's like we wait for that opportunity to go to heaven, but we can meet him every day in the Eucharist. I think if we actually believe that, we're crazy to deny ourselves that meaning that you have the opportunity to receive Jesus Christ and you are denying it for whatever. But I mean, and I'm, I'm not trying to be harsh or anything, but you're saying like you're denying it because you get bored and Devin from long beach would deny it because he has lacrosse. And then, um, this mom denies it because uh, Real Housewives of New Jersey is on the same time as 6.30 Mass, you know? And yeah. you kind of think about the reasons why you're denying yourself Christ. And to me, like, when you say it out loud, it's crazy. Where you have this opportunity so, to, like, have this tangible, and that's the, that is the tangible experience, like, to receive Jesus. And we are saying no to it because of X, Y, and Z. But then when you say, like, well, maybe the fifth Sunday of hearing Jesus preach at City Field, you might get might might be like, all right, well, whatever. Um, it, I think it then raises the question of like, what is your relationship with Christ like? And that's a I, potentially a rhetorical question. Um, and I, I I just I think it's important to note that when we look at the gospel, that happened. People did get bored. People did stop following him. I mean, he had a big following, but some people met him and were like, eh, I'm not impressed. And that's part of the 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 way that like the way that mind, the part of the human condition, I think the way that our mind works is like, wait, how did, how is that possible? But then it then raises the question, like, 
what was those people's relationship like? Or what were the barriers is... that prevented that relationship or that encounter from, from going deeper? I think that's a question that we have to ask ourselves too, because each one of us is guilty of denying Christ every day in one yes. way, shape, or form. And we call that sin, right? So what are the barriers? What are the things that keep me from, from getting close to him? So as something as simple as the mass, right? Something as simple as the mass. Like I can look at the mass and think like there was a time in my life where when I was just getting started, particularly in the seminary, right? Mass every day was great when it was at the seminary. But then on vacation and you have to actually drive there or you have to get up early or those kind of things, then mass every day becomes less um, appealing, if you will. And then then the question then has to be something that's introspective. What are the because the problem is never with God. Right. He's not. He's not the problem. It's us that's the problem. I, you know, I, then I you start asking myself, well, what are the things that are preventing me from going? Is it like so like it might have been something where it was like, all right, I had a late night the night before doing something that wasn't bad or anything like that. Um, and it was like a good thing. And it's like, OK, I don't I, I, I've been up late because I've been writing papers all week. So Saturday, nine o'clock mass, I need that sleep to recharge my body so I don't get sick. OK. But then am I allowing that to become a trend where I'm always allowing myself to be up late? And then every Saturday, it's too much to get there. Otherwise, I might get sick. Well, then I have to reassess what I'm doing um, with the grace of God to kind of affect that. So I think we have to ask the question, what are the barriers that are, have, are in place, especially the ones that we have put in place? Because ultimately, when we think about it, like so often we can think of something like mass as what God wants this from me. God wants this from me. But when we rephrase the question or retool the question, what, is want, what does God want for me? Well, he wants us to be happy and he wants us to be with him forever in heaven, ultimately. And I mean, that's an oversimplification, but for brevity's sake, that would be the case. And when we start uh, thinking about that, then we start thinking about, okay, well, then what can I do to make that happen? And what are the things that get in the way of me doing that? And I think that's always been the question for me, because I, I can't, I've been my goal in, in talking with you today was to be completely honest, and I have been. I just don't know the answer to that. Uh, but that's something that for me is going to be, uh, is what I need to reflect on, because I really don't know at this point of time, you know. Right. But I think that is the right question to ask. You know, what's stopping me? And uh, I, I just, um, I don't have an easy answer for it, but it's something that I can take away from this. Right. And, and I think that... And is it... Isn't it? Is it fair to say that you could potentially find that answer if you would go to mass? You see, what I'm saying like that—that's your time to to pray. I would say before that, and... confession would be more important than mass. Yeah, well, right. Good, at least before, question. because one of the things that gets in our way is is sin, right? So a few weeks. So I I go to confession every month. That's what I tend to do, and then I have like a deal with God. Um, that if I'm around the priest and it's before a month, because um, I'm not going to go to the priests in my rectory for confession unless I like murdered someone and needed to go right away. Um, but like, uh, so I have a deal um, where I, I kind of like, there are certain times where I'm like, all right, I have an opportunity. There's a priest here. 
And I would go to him for confession, um, you know, whether it's a friend or it's a, a mission speaker or something like that. And I and I always bring the prayer to God. OK, if you want me to go, let me know. And and every time I say that prayer, I know. So like a, a week ago, uh, a month ago, I went to confession and um, something had happened and I had gotten really angry. And I was like, I didn't want to hold on to that anger. And I was going to hang out with some friends, one of whom. I, I had no problem asking to hear my confession. And I kind of said that prayer. And I was like, after I said the prayer, I, I was like, I didn't feel it. And the timing wasn't right. Okay, fine. Then the week after, I was with another friend who's a priest. And uh, I was, um, you know, we were hanging out or whatever. And, and, and like, I started fear, feeling that in my heart, ask him to go to confession. And boom, I did it. We were actually in my parish. And I went to the confessional with him where I'm usually on the other side. So that was kind of weird and cool at the same time. And then I kind of felt like that, that, that there was a certain barrier that was lifted from me. There was something preventing me from loving another person because they had made me mad. And that in that moment, that barrier was lifted. And the same thing's true with God. Like, cause we can convince ourselves often that ultimately what sin is, is that thinking that we will find fulfillment in something other than God. And then when we do what we do, we don't find the fulfillment. And then there's two options. We can despair and be like, well, God doesn't. Well, I guess there's three options. We could despair and think God doesn't love me. I can't go to him and ask for forgiveness. We could be prideful and be like, well, who cares? I don't need God anyway. Or we can humble ourselves and, and, and ask for that forgiveness. And when we do that, like that, then that barrier is lifted and we've taken a step towards God. It may not be a giant step. It may be something that's extremely incremental, but I think so often it's for our own sinfulness is oftentimes the thing that prevents us from growing deeper with God. And then sometimes there's other like, you know, psychological, um, not like that saying that you're crazy or anything, but psychological hangups <laughs> that it's like, um, that would be like, okay, I got to work on that. Like if we tend towards like you said, you tend towards getting bored of ritual, right? That would be something psychological. Yeah. And, and by the way, I never take offense when somebody hints even slightly that I'm crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, right, don't, cut, worry, don't worry about it. out of the bag there, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I like the idea of... of the next right thing to do is to go to confession because I haven't done that in a while, you know, and in years. I haven't been to confession in a very long time and bring this question or this situation to the parish priest. There are two churches where I live in Forest Hills. One is uh, Queen of Martyrs on Queens Boulevard and the other one is Our Lady of Mercy. I go to Our Lady of Mercy because I'd rather be merciful than be a martyr. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I could do that. You know, it's a tangible, it's a, it's a step, you know. And it's, it's, it's like, well, you have to remember that the spiritual life is, is like exercising, right? I don't like to exercise. I don't like to, to do something unless I have a purpose, right? So, like, I have a Fitbit and I'm in a competition with a couple of people, um, like some friends of mine. Um, and then in addition to, well, I, they would, I consider them all my friends, but some of the people are actually in the parish. Some of the people work for the parish and some of the people are just friends. Um, and we're in the, and like that motivates me to, to move around, to go for a walk. Cause I want to win. So I wouldn't want to walk 
because that's like I could just be watching TV or reading or doing something else. But the competition is the thing that motivates me, and it's the thing that makes me want to to uh, move around and, and walk, right? And I think the same thing is true with the spiritual life. Like initially, there's a certain amount of inertia that we're not used to it. We've developed certain habits that make us not want to get involved, and it takes work and time. I was talking to a guy um, who I think uh, I don't remember what his problem was, but he was basically saying like he uh, oh no I know he had lots of problems he'll but he would be the first one to tell you all of this uh, he doesn't know what a podcast is so I know he doesn't listen but had he been on he would explain this he when he talks about confession in RCIA he always says like you know you might do something fifteen times you go to confession and then maybe you only do it fourteen times. It's like so it's not a loss that you still did it 14 times because there's a certain amount of improvement and i i mean sometimes that improvement is not tangible sometimes it's something that's only on the spiritual level but that kind of pushing ourselves and motivating ourselves is something that that allows us to grow and and then um at least in the, if not in this life in the next life we experience it like you know tenfold or whatever it may be if that makes sense yeah Interestingly, I mean, I do the walking too. So it's not like, um, and I do it fairly consistently and I do it with, with purpose. And I also have friends come with me and it's a very pleasant and joyful experience. So it's not like I'm averse to doing things uh, consistently. So it's, it's, it feels like it's very specific to this one area, you know? Right. What, now what about if you had some kind of accountability in that area? Where there's like somebody you know that you can meet up with or, or something like that. I don't know. That might be hard to do. Um, and sometimes the people who are willing to do that in a church circle may not be the person that you want to hang out with. But um, but just like a certain accountability with with that. I, I fear that that would actually turn me off. I think, yeah. I mean, I think the, <laughs> the, the problem is that as soon as you and I think, you know, part of the issue here is that as soon as you tell me I have to do something, I develop this sort of you know, nope, not doing it. You know, yeah, I don't I know, know where I that know comes that feeling, yeah. It's a defiance that may be part of it. I'm not sure yet. I'm just speculating at this point, but I do know I have that in me, you know, as from a kid, I had that in me. Right. So, I mean, you know, the, the have to part of it, I see it more as, see, maybe to Justin's point, I kind of see it more as a have to than a want to. Right. You know, and uh, that could be part of the problem. And that, that, I mean, that's something to bring to prayer too. Like, God, how do I help me to move from having to, to wanting to help me to know you better, to love you more so that this isn't something that's a chore, but something that I freely want to and, and choose to do. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that like that then becomes, it, it brings this overwhelming joy if that prayer is to ever be answered and, and that's, that's kind of like a lifelong mission or goal, but it, it's kind of like this idea not to get over religious or whatever it is. But when you like actually do fall in love with the Eucharist, like Christ in that form, um, I think that's when everything changes and that comes in different shapes and forms. Uh, but actually it, it comes with first taking that step, and acknowledging like I, that one prayer is, do, why do I feel like I have to, I want to want to. And then once you consistently start going to mass, it's like, how do I fall in love with this? 
because then yeah. that's the whole that's where everything changes and that that's kind of i think for everyone especially for sean being a priest like he could tell you the moment that he fell in love with the eucharist and then it kind of goes back to that mentality of like well if this is the thing that's going to bring me the most peace and joy in my heart why would i ever deny myself of it and then for like i'll, I'll say for me there are times when you're on tour and you can't get to church and a priest won't come and say mass for you and um i know what i'm missing out on and it changes the way i feel and it changes the way i think and it changes the way i act that day and it's very apparent for me um and so it, it then becomes like this prayer of you want to rely on it because yeah. then also too i think it, it one not, not only does it bring you that peace and joy but the things that you might struggle with for example the guy farting on the subway and you want to get really mad and say something to him Exactly. <laughs> I think um, <laughs> I think like a, a, a consistent prayer life and a dedication to mass allows you to not get mad at that. And I, I think when you start denying yourself of that, that's when, like Sean said, you start to be able to fall into sin easier. Of course, we're going to fall into sin. I'm not saying you're going to sin if you go to mass, but it makes it so much easier to without that relationship, I think. Yeah. Um, and I was going to say too, Sean, I was expecting you to follow up with the competition thing, saying that you find walking in competition. So we should view mass as a competition to be holier than people. So we could get to heaven quicker than them. No, I, 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 that's not the case. I'm not going to say that. But I, think, <laughs> I, 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 I think one of the things that's so important to recognize and, and like, it's important to realize that where you're at is very much human. Like you're like, you're not some kind of weirdo or freak or anything like that. Right. Because you look at St. Augustine, right? He, he was on a journey for truth and he realized that the, the, the Christian faith was real. And then it took him like years before he actually like started putting that into practice. Mm. Um, and, and now he's a saint, you know, um, the doctor of the church and that you can read that in like the confession. Other thing I would say is like looking at something like scripture, right? Taking scripture and, and, and praying with it slowly is something that allows us to meet Jesus in the word of God, which is not the same as in the Eucharist, but it's a, sometimes it's a little bit easier for us to grasp. And, um, like, you know, inviting in the Holy Spirit before we pray, looking at it and, and looking kind of for like a line or, or a word or a phrase that kind of stands out and then really think about like, well, what is God trying to tell me? How do I apply this to my life today? Um, and then like that intimacy with Christ and the Gospels is something that grows. But then I think if going back to the Gospels again, you look at like the rich young man, right? He comes to Jesus and say, what is it that you want me to do? How do I become like, you know, and he goes, sell everything that you own and follow me. And it says that the man walked away sad because he had many possessions. Right. Um, because what well, first he said, first, Jesus said, obey the Ten Commandments. And he said, I do that. And he goes, OK, then sell everything you own and come follow me. And then the guy left sad. But like St. Peter, St. You know, um, th th that first part is that repentance. Right. So. Uh, that was the gospel this weekend. Um, we're, we're recording this the first week of Lent, so after Ash Wednesday. Um, 
repent and believe in the gospel, that repentance is the first part. You read spiritual saints and you see that repentance is the first part, that the first things that we do in our relationship with God are getting rid of the bad habits that we have. And then once those are gone, then we move to the, to the next level. But yeah, I, I have to be honest with you. Um, everything I really didn't hear anything after Saint Augustine because now I'm thinking maybe I can actually become a saint at some point. <laughs> well, that's the goal. That's the goal. We all want to be saints. We all want no, to get to heaven. No, I'm joking. I, I heard all. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean Saint I would... Augustine, he did terrible things. Yeah, I don't think I've done nearly as bad things. Yeah, so you're already ahead of the game. I'm ahead of the game. And uh, now I got something to shoot for. <laughs> Saint Cousin Bobby. Saint Cousin Bobby. Saint Cousin, <laughs> Saint Cousin Bobby. That has Saints of Shrutanads. That has to be the. <laughs> I mean, it all just comes together, doesn't it? That has to be the title of this episode. Saint Cousin, Saint Cousin. Bobby. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> If even this Mukaluk can, <laughs> this guy who doesn't want to go to City Field to see Jesus, <laughs> he'll go to the first four, but after the fifth, eh. Eh. well, if the Mets win the um, World Series this year, you'll know that Jesus was at City Field because there was no other way that that could happen. Yeah, that's for darn sure. It would be an undeniable miracle. I mean, <laughs> that's right. You know. I mean, there'd be no denying it, and there'd be no, you know. Well, this so is, is great. There, is, was there anything else to that you thought of, Bobby? Or I was, I was gonna say, finish up with, I think, especially these questions and the timing of it. Like Lent is the time to do this. This is like the when everyone kind of puts a microscope onto their faith. And I, I think that Lent is Lent is the time to kind of focus in. So I mean, that's interesting that you say that because I'm aware that it is Lent, but I didn't even. But it's kind of interesting that I'm tie, It's it's happening now. You know, yeah. That, that I'm starting to. Ha I'm having this conversation now because uh, when <laughs> this is <laughs> whenever and somebody asks me what have I given up for Lent, I usually say I've stopped smoking. <laughs> but, but I I'm not a smoker. But it's not a lie. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, now you just could say, what, "What are you doing for Lent?" You say, "I'm going to mass every week." Boom! Well, I'll tell you what. I'll make this commitment to you. I will. Um, I will go to confession this Saturday as a as a next step and see. We got to got to do baby steps, right? Right. Right. There you go. And then maybe uh, six months from now, uh, we can reconvene and I can report to you on my progress and see. See where I'm at or where I'm not at. <laughs> let's, let's hope it's not a 15-minute uh, podcast. I went to confession and then... <laughs> yeah, I'm coming, coming to you from uh, Rikers Island and... Uh, <laughs> I've never I just, heard of this guy that farted on the subway. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was it. I could not stand it anymore. <laughs> I forgot to pray that day. I forgot to pray. I, I haven't been going to mass, and here I am. And now he's dead. <laughs> I, I'll say one one last thing, and then we'll do we we do a final question. And the the, the last thing I I just kind of thought of um, 
when you read the gospel and I'm guilty of this too. And I, I think we all are. Um, and it's that uh, you read the gospel and Jesus asks for specific things and he asks for people to kind of be radical in a sense, like Sean said, to sell everything and follow me, which I don't think we're all called to do. We're not all called to necessarily do that exactly. But I, I think in the gospel, Jesus never asks or says to do anything halfway. Um, meaning like he didn't say love people sometimes or uh, follow these commands. Do this when you feel like it. When you feel like it or yeah. like, do this in memory of me if you want to. Or the in order to receive eternal life, eat my flesh and drink my blood only if you'd like to. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like even in a simple, simple sense, uh, and it, it kind of goes back to that idea of not feeling yet like you have to do something. Um, but there are, there are scripture and enough evidence that Jesus tells you that this is what you have to do. Um, and he doesn't tell you to do it halfway, he tells you to, to go all the way for him. Um, but, and then, and I kind of, when I say that, I think of the cross and the crucifixion and his death on the cross and, he didn't stop. He didn't get whipped and then finish and be like, I'm, I'm Christ. I could leave now. He went all the way. He died. So it's kind of like, how are we responding to that? Are we going all the way in our faith life? Or are we just kind of going up to a certain point? Whipping's done. We stopped. Um, so that's kind of how I look at it. With, we always do you a final question um to you bobby is your cousin sean is a priest would you go to confession to your cousin sean i would i don't know if he'd want to hear it <laughs> but i would i would you pause because usually we interrupt with an amen and then we never get to the final question but you answered well, it too quickly, so well done. Well, well, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I would. <laughs> like here's, we could have this as the final question. If you had to kill one of us, which one would it be? <laughs> if, 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 if both of us farted on the subway, which one would you kill? I'd commit suicide. <laughs> 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 That's where we put the amen. Amen. <laughs> oh man, I think this is awesome. What'd you think, Sean? I I had a lot of fun. Yeah, me too. So in six months we reconvene for probably in six months there'll be episode forty. Yeah. No, it no be, I, I think I, it'll I, be more than that, right? We're doing. You're doing one a week. Yeah. Yeah. We've actually been doing one a week, so that's part of the contract. I think we have to have a certain amount of episodes, or otherwise we lose our funding. Well, well, then in six months, in six months, what month would that be? March, April, May, June, July, August, sometime over the summer. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, it's good. Uh, you know, it's I, I did this for personal reasons, but I hope also that you know some of the listeners might identify with the struggle you know i, I can't imagine yeah. that they won't because the struggle is real for all of us it's all it it's just a matter of 
uh, each person has it different, right? So like the thing that is hard for you to do that you know you should do is different from the thing that I don't do that I know that I should do. Yeah. But the same like inertia like I used before is in place. It's the same kind of mentality. Okay, God, I know I'm supposed to do this, but I don't want to. Cool, man. I enjoyed it. Thank you, Bobby. Thank you for being Thank you, Bobby. too. God bless everyone who listened to this podcast. Yes. You've been listening to the Untitled Catholic Podcast. See you next time.